You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. This episode is about identity, who we think we are, and how we can be more than that. And it's sort of framed around a poem that Satch wrote, which encapsulates his thinking on this topic. And it's just another example of why I'm proud to know these guys and why it was a good idea to get microphones and stick them in front of them so we could all hear what they have to say. (laughs) All right, here we go. Uh, you inspired me the other day. Mm. You shared uh, your your method for just allowing things to just flow on their own and come out when you're trying to create something or have an intent to create something. And so we're not talking about bowel movements, right? No, now. we're not. We are not talking about bowel movements. Okay. We're talking about Good. just want to be clear creative processes <clears throat> and finding insights. So. I thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to you know, follow Carlos's advice. And I gave a little bit of thought. Nothing was coming. So I let it go. And uh, the next day, I was in the midst of working. Of course, you know, this is all happening during this COVID-19 pandemic. And so I'm, I'm working my butt off at home. And I looked out the window. And I noticed uh, the rose bushes outside my window. Huh. It was something about that moment caught me and I had an insight and I thought, I need to write this down. And I wrote it down and then I had another insight and I wrote it down and I had another insight and I wrote it down. And that just, that process, just once it started, it was like all throughout the rest of the day, um, things would come. And so what I did is I, I read this list of insights and realized that it was kind of like a prose poem. Hmm. So I thought, well, why don't I play with it a little bit, as you had shared, uh-huh. and then apply the faculty of thinking, thought, reason, and see if I could mold it a little bit. And so I just sort of decided to put it into something that rhymed for ease of learning. Nice. You know, for ease of, of understanding and experiencing the flow with the lessons. And so what I think might be kind of fun is I'll just read it as a poem then go back and deconstruct the lines to talk about what lesson I learned in each one of those lines and, um, you know, share these as strategies that could be used by others. Terrific. That sounds great. That's just kind of the idea. All right. So I'm game. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. This is called the antidote. (laughs) How apropos. When life seems dark, And pain seems real. Stop, look, listen, and feel. You might notice a flower, a star, or a cat. Pause and remember, I am also that. Time was before me, time is now, time is later. I'll meet with them all when I'm gone, when I'm greater. While dramas occur, and life has its highs. Sky still meets ocean, and ocean meets sky. Hmm. 
What defines me day to day? My job, mistakes, my work, my grave? Might it be that I don't know such definitions aren't the goal? There is one great way that we can cope to free ourselves of bonds and ropes, to find our way through fear and smoke. There is a wonderful antidote. The secret I speak of is in this last verse. Just fall in love with the universe. That is awesome, man. <laughs> so, um, so what happens, you know, each, each one of those was just a little insight that happened throughout the day. And so the first one, uh, when life seems dark and pain seems real, stop, look, listen, and feel. So stop, look, listen, and feel is something we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, it's a strategy that is so easy to do. It is so easy to stop whatever you're doing, look around, you know, lift up your head and actually physically look around, notice what's around me, what's going on here? What, what, what am I seeing right now that I didn't see a moment ago? You know, stop, look, right? And then listen, listen to the sounds around you. Listen to the silence that is between the sounds around you. Try to listen to what's happening inside your own body, inside your own mind. Um, can you maybe listen for your own heartbeat? The last one is feel. And that's to feel what's going on inside of you and to feel what's going around outside of you. Um, and just, just that practice right there can be a tremendous strategy for giving you access to things you didn't have access before. And I want to encourage people to try this. Um, you can do it when you're driving. You can do it when you're eating. You can do it when you're showering. Um, uh, you can do it in the middle of a meeting. You know, you don't have to stop what you're doing to stop. Yeah. You can, you can, you know, stop, look, listen, and feel. Um, stop, look, listen, and feel what you're actually doing. Okay. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so, so, um, uh, it's a nice little, nice little strategy to use. So I'm sure you've done something similar to this. I'm doing it times. right now because so. you, you gave me that great reminder. So I'm, cool. I'm actually All right. inside. I stopped and I'm listening and feeling yeah. how yeah. it's hitting me. All yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. It's also fun, I think, to uh, pick a spot of your body that you never think about. Like, I'm going to pick my left ankle. And I'm going to look at it and I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to feel it. Mm. You know? Um, Taking listening to the metaphorical. Exactly. Paying yeah. attention to. Yeah. What's going on <clears throat> with my ankle? Because um, whatever is going on with your ankle, that was going on the whole time, no matter what you're doing. And sure, we apply our awareness to something and it does change uh, the experience. You're going to change your ankle when you start paying attention to your ankle. Yeah, for sure. But that's, that's the idea. Yeah, but your ankle's going to change you. We runners know this. Yes, we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, I've, I do this sometimes when we're running. Mm -hmm. What are my hips doing right now? What are my hip sockets doing? You know, can I relax them more? Same. Yeah, if I do, what is that doing to my knees? You know, and follow it all the way down the chain. It's become a necessity at our age. Yeah. Because we're not old, but we're also not young. We're right in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So there's a, a lifetime of uh, physical injuries and wear and tear, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, for you sure. And I have been for athletic sure. most of our lives, so we have a lot of, uh, you know, responses to that physical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Call them injuries or whatever, what yeah. have you. But but yeah, some some injuries are just very very intense memories. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, so. the idea of uh, stop, look, listen, and feel. Um, you know, certainly re- reminds me of uh, being a kid and reading books on Chinese internal martial arts, you know, Robert Smith's books, you know, and, mm. and Chinese boxing and Xingyi and Bakua and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And this whole idea of listening skill, like the tingjing, oh, ting, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. listening energy. And this is a strange way of putting it. You know, what do you mean listening energy? Yeah. How does my body listen? Only my ears listen. And what's the energy of listening? Isn't it just listening? But yeah, um, yeah how, do, how does how is it that my ears can tell me where my opponent's balance is? And you know, uh, if you analyze it, it's harder to understand than if you just accept that paying attention very deeply is like listening because listening mm-hmm. is so passive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just these holes on the side of your head that that receive the vibrations and then interpret those vibrations into electrical signals which then become associated to images yeah in the mind yeah 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 the yeah, brain yeah. right yeah uh so when the tai chi practitioner crosses arms with the other martial artist and there's that sense of the strength and resistance of the other person and by extension, the structure of their body, and by extension, knowing their balance, mm-hmm. comes from knowing your own balance and structure. Yeah, yeah. So this still doesn't really make a lot of rational sense, but you know, I've always taken it to mean that listening <clears throat> has this other connotation of just simply paying deeply attention to the sensations. Yeah. Because you're not really using your ears. But I don't know why it is that it seems like when people are doing it, they drop their head a little bit as if they're listening. I know what you, you know mean. what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, and and, and, and the, you've the, seen uh, it too, haven't you? The, the the listeners of our show can't see what we're doing right now. Yeah, but we're sort of turning our head a little bit, like somebody yeah. puts their hand up to do some tai chi, and they start to they they they, they turn a little. They bit. They turn a little bit, and there's it's it's like when when we uh, talk about an NLP uh, when someone is activating their auditory system yeah oftentimes there's a drop in the head there's a tilt as if the ear is listening like you're bringing the ear to yeah so their auditory system is online you know they're 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 noticing subtle differences in tonality and pitch and yeah things like that timbre and all that yeah but it's the same thing when you're practicing feeling each other's balance when you're doing toy show you know the the pushing hands at drills and exercises and and so forth there's a listening quality and then that whole idea of you know, if a, if a fly lands on you and it sends you in motion, you have to be so sensitive. Yeah, yeah. So they always describe that in Chinese uh, internal martial art literature as listening. As listening, yeah. Well, just Very abstract. Like, yeah, just like you described, when somebody actually starts to listen, <clears throat> they do change their posture. Yeah. So Because everything affects your posture. Yeah, and it's not just your ear right? You, your body is trying to listen more when you change your body so that your ear can, can hear. True. And isn't it true? I mean, you probably know the science, medical science behind this, but isn't it true that we are to some degree actually hearing through our bones and through the structure of our body, not just the ears? Oh, sure. Sure. Like, I mean, this is why you can conduct sound through bone into the ear without using a speaker. 
Yes. So to some degree, maybe not as the same yeah. level of acuteness, but yeah. you are receiving sound and interpreting sound based on the vibration you're you're feeling in your you body, are. not just feeling in your ears. You are. And let's remember that's that's what hearing is. It's interpreting a vibration. Right. Right. And let's remember there are little itty bitty tiny bones in your ear. That's true. That are, and it's specially adapted to yeah. give you more refined, acute mm-hmm. detail. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So um, uh, you can really listen with your bones. <laughs> you actually can. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, you know, you hear the stories. Uh, there, there's there's the, the lovely documentary I saw on Animal Planet of <clears throat> this this young girl who was in um, Thailand or Sri Lanka when the tsunamis hit. Mm-hmm. And every day she just, you know, got on this elephant and this was a little baby elephant and she wandered around the beach. And on the day of the tsunami, um, the elephant took off running and she couldn't stop the elephant. And she's on this little elephant's back. Wow. And the elephant just started running. I mean, they had developed a bond because she was riding a little elephant every single day mm-hmm. and the elephant saved her life. No, a- nobody could stop her and the, ele- the elephant just ran. She couldn't stop the elephant. It saved, it saved its little friend. That is beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And, and talk it, about yeah. Uh, trusting the horse, right? Trusting right, the elephant underneath right. you, right? Trust the elephant underneath you. Because oh it was gosh. feeling the vibration, because elephants communicate long distance That's through right. feeling the vibration. Extremely you know, low the, frequency. Yeah. So you through, can, their, through the paws of their feet. Yeah, yeah exactly. So they're, 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 they're little elephant hands are oh, that's listening adorable. to the ground. That is so know? cool. Yeah. So amazing. Well, if elephants can do it. Yeah. You know, there you <laughs> um, so the next part of this was. Uh, you might notice a flower, a star, or a cat. Pause and remember, I am also that. I like that. That was the moment when I looked out the window and I saw the rose bushes. Uh-huh. And I was, I had interrupted um, some work and my work is very stressful right now. Let's remember there's a pandemic and I work at a university and we've shifted everything <laughs> online and it's, you know, kind of kind of insanity Chaos. right now and there's a lot at stake and while i was thinking of those stressors and why my mind while while my mind was reminding me of all these things that could go wrong and i saw these roses i just had this thought wow i'm, I'm also that i'm not just this problem that i'm experiencing i'm also that wow and i'm that grass and i'm that tree and I'm all these planets that are like, I'm, I'm all these things. And I'm this. Mm. And I am this experience. It's so nice to interrupt your identity sometimes. Yeah. You know, like, because, like, you know, we can really, really get hyper fixated on what we believe we are. And uh, we are so much more than just that. We are. And I... It tickled me when I heard you, you know, with the the phonetic ambiguity of the mm. word pause when you were referring to cat and the, yeah. the line before it. You know, I love that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, that yeah. tickled to hear that. Yeah, yeah it's two, two double meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Pause and pause. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> way to go, subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Have you ever had an experience where? Um, you just sort of realized you were more than you thought you were? Yes. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of people have had that experience, but... Every time I yeah. achieve something that I was worried about achieving before achieving it. Mm, oh, yeah. Sure. And it reminds me of that, you know, 
de-identification pattern that that is um, used sometimes in NLP. But the, to sum it up, it's it's essentially the statement: "It's uh, whatever it is you think you are, you're always more than that." Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So whatever like it is that. you can name, all the things that you think you you are, aren't you more than that? If you really think about it, aren't you more than that? Yeah. Um, and where that becomes handy is in situations like you were mentioning, because the identif- the identity that you are um, operating from or identifying from within, mm-hmm. uh, if it is conflicting with your values in some way, or there's a conflict uh, between you and the situation because of the way you're thinking about it, because of the narrative that you have that accompanies the identity, mm. then that's when it makes sense to de-identify. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be permanent because you, I mean, you were the rose bush and the grass, but right now you're the podcaster. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's not like it's going to stay that way. So when I say this, it sounds a little harsh maybe, but it's not harsh. shouldn't yeah. be interpreted that way. If, if, if yeah. someone's a mother and they're freaking out about their stress in life, sometimes I'll ask them like, aren't you more than a mother? Well, and they'll begrudgingly say, well, yeah, but, and they, they kind of locked into this mm-hmm. identity and I'll talk about, but what would happen if you remembered that you are also your husband's lover or you are an artist or an athlete, or mm. a sister, or a best friend, or woman, or anything, yeah. anything else but mother for just just a few minutes. Yeah, there's nothing. I mean, you love being a mom, and and that's an important duty, and you feel a sense of duty and and uh, devotion to that. But at this moment, it's not the resourceful place that it would normally be for mm. you. So, de-identifying sometimes opens up a whole world of possibilities to be able to realize, oh, in when I put this in perspective, this is just a piece of my life. It's an important piece. Mm-hmm. But the feeling of peace that I need to actually get doesn't exist at this moment right here. I can only access the peace uh-huh. by becoming aware of the other piece. Of the, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. That's that's fantastic. So so you actually like go in and help the person rediscover all the many different roles that they're playing, yeah. Beside the one that they're stuck in, and dissolve them because dissolve them, yeah. dissolving them means you get to recalibrate. You get to re uh, sort of reinstall the software. Yeah, know? delete it off the computer, reboot, and reinstall it. Yeah, you know, yeah, the, totally. The that's, that's Apple great. Care advice. I love know? that. I love that. It works. Yeah. Gosh, everybody needs that once in a while. Yeah, you got to take Apple yeah. care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, you have to. Get yeah. <laughs> a debug and defragment and uh, whatever, or whatever <laughs> that stuff means. You know. About time you got to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting late here. Um, Time was before me, time is now, time is later. I will meet with them all when I'm gone, when I'm greater. Mm. 
And this is the idea that there was a time before us. There's this time right now when we're experiencing what is us or whatever we call us. And we know there is going to be a time after us when, when this version of us is dissolved or gone mm -hmm. and that's going to be there. And that can be a very scary thing for a lot of us, um, especially what's going on in the world right now as we're recording this. You know, there's the, mm -hmm. the COVID-19 pandemic and uh, the, there are people that are dying and there are people that are afraid of dying or afraid of losing people that they care about. And um, let's remember, there is going to be a time when we're gone. But that's not new, is it? There was always a time before we were here when we were gone. So we've already been gone. You know, we have already been gone. And we're here now for a flash and then we'll go back to being gone. And who knows, maybe, maybe we come back. Maybe we don't. Maybe the cycle just keeps oscillating. You know, uh, exist, don't exist, exist, don't exist. But when you take this idea of there was before me, there's now and there's after me, there's another perspective too, which is you can see that all three of those things exist. So you must be all three of them too, you know, cause we get, um, over identified sometimes with the part of me that is just now that's going to not exist again. And so I like this idea that, um, it's okay. I can be all three of those. I can be the time before I was here. I can be the time that I am now and I can be the time when I'm not here. Um, and that there's also something great about that, you know, cause I'll, I'll, I'll meet them all when I'm gone, when I'm greater, cause mm -hmm. you kind of have to be greater in order to meet all three of those. You know? Yeah. By, by, by dissolving this present self as you die, mm. whatever it is that happens to you mm -hmm. has this, let's say, uh, Certainly not the limitations that you have now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, are, there are other limitations. There yeah, may be yeah, other li limitations for sure, but, yeah. but you don't have these ones. Not these, yeah. That's, and that's, that's what we'll put. It's yeah. easy to imagine yourself as some, something greater yeah. because you don't have the limitations of dying. You're already there. Yeah, yeah, that's great. This reminds me of uh, something that was so well put. Every, everything Eckhart Tolle says is well put. <laughs> Even with his strange laugh. Yes. I love his laugh. It cracks me up every time. <laughs> he points out that uh, we don't understand life, and you can see that in the language that we use. Mm -hmm. And he makes a point of saying that we say things like, you know, um, he lost his life. Yeah. You know, but, but the reality is, he says, you don't have a life to lose. It's not, you don't have a life. You are life. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different way of looking at it. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that kind of resonates with this idea of, of, of we already didn't exist. Yeah. Very little of what we say stands up to scrutiny. Very little. Yeah, you're right. You're right. As, as human beings speaking, well, at least speaking in English, I can, I can say that for sure. Uh, very little of what we say can stand up to philosophical scrutiny when mm -hmm. we actually mm -hmm. question the linguistics and, and really look at what we're really saying. Mm -hmm. The precision is gone if 
if you say statements that are metaphorical and broad and generalized and so forth, and they contain all these deletions and distortions in them, right? Yeah. Cognitive distortions. Yeah. And it happens even in technical language uh, or language that's supposed to be thought of as uh, very uh, serious and academic and, you know, we're basing our our um, our world on these ideas, you know, that that uh, the economy is up, the economy <laughs> is down. No, it isn't up or down. It's based on mm-hmm. what, a graph that you have on paper somewhere? Right, is that really up? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. time is the same way, you know, yeah. uh, back in the past, so the past is behind you. Yeah. So this is a metaphor of movement, right? But... Um, George Lakoff talks a lot about these metaphors that we live by because we're speaking in them all the time. We're speaking in metaphor language, six to 10 a minute, they say, mm-hmm. um, according to the average conversations that they've recorded and analyzed. It's like so much metaphor. Mm-hmm. And so we have to mind read and believe that we're understanding each other. And it's, um, it's a bit of a magic trick in a way. Yeah, it absolutely is. Um, Certainly not what it appears to be. Yeah, this is very interesting when when children are developing, they go through a stage of play that is uh, called symbolic play. <clears throat> now, you could also use like an imaginative play and there are other other similar terms around around child development, but but symbolic play is when a child learns that one item can be representative of another item, mm, right? Even an invisible item. So, for example, if I was pretending I had a teapot and I was pouring you an imaginary cup of tea, we understand that these these invisible objects are are being symbols for real objects. And if I were to pick up a banana and pretend it's a telephone. Right, we understand that that's really a banana, but we're 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 agreeing that right now it's a phone. Right, right. So we're letting the banana be a symbol for another idea. And what's interesting about this stage of development is that as children are engaging in symbolic play, it's crucial for their development of language skills, because after all, language is just sounds that are acting as symbols yeah. for various objects and ideas. It's all representation. Yeah, it's, it's representation. Um, and, and that's art, right? I mean, art is, you know, yeah. is, you know, abstract and symbolic and, you know, and all that. So, I mean, just about everything we say, you're right, you know, is, is just a symbol for something. And so what is that? Well, I don't know if it's, if it's um, just where I'm coming from or whatever, but mm-hmm. it feels so incredibly important. And yet, there is very little attention paid to it in, uh, in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some pockets or areas where people pay a lot of attention to it, like in an NLP class mm-hmm. or certain kinds of cognitive psychology classes or various things you're talking about too. Mm-hmm. There are places where do, people do focus on it. But I've just noticed that um, a lot of people don't really. Yeah. Uh, your average conversation, I mean, I, I can just go through my life. There's very few times I've been able to really have the other person who really understood that and sought precision within their own communication because mm-hmm. there's always noise in any communication always yeah. yeah so presumably it will be helpful if you could dial up and dial down 
your level of precision according to the mm-hmm. circumstances so that you can be more well understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff we've spoken about today is a bit abstract. Uh, if you're not already on the same page, it could e- easily, you could have heard the first you know, 20 minutes and gone, I'm not exactly sure what they're talking about there. Yeah. Um, kind of, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Unless you already have had some of these thoughts already, then you'd be resonating right along with it and thinking, mm-hmm. oh yeah, well, I know what they're talking about. It's, it's as if I'm right there. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, they're right, talking right. to me. That's me. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, he, the, the human mind, um, even though everybody perceives things differently and thinks differently, um, as humans, we do share pretty much, you know, the same basic box full of tendencies and abilities. Yeah. You know, and, and we reorganize them a little bit and we see things differently. But what one person can comprehend or perceive, most other people have at a, least a, a capacity. A, yeah, a, a, to an ability to, to you know, understand at least similarly, um, which is why we're able to speak and share in language. <laughs> you know? It's true. You know, sometimes I hear people who are, are um, academically savvy, you know, they maybe have degrees or whatever, and they function in a professional world and take care of their finances really well and mm-hmm. they're healthy and, and all that. But they'll tell me things like, um, I don't know what you mean, feel. Yes. And that seems like such a basic thing. How do you I not know. know what feel means? Yeah. And yeah. how did you get to this? I'm thinking in my head, how do you get to this age, uh-huh. you know? Uh, being in your forties or whatever, and still say things like that, or mm. you know, I'm not in touch with my feelings. How do you know that? Yeah. How are you even yeah, aware yeah, of the fact yeah. that you're not in touch with something? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I remember. It's fascinating. I remember years ago when when you were really getting into NLP, uh-huh. and you started asking me really interesting questions about like. Uh, well, how do you know? You know, how do you know it's time to do this or time to do that? And oh yeah, and and sort of you know that type of questioning. Or you would ask me, well, where in your body do you feel that? And to me, it was like, oh, well, let me check. Oh, right here, right there. And uh-huh. that seemed very natural to me. Um, and maybe that's just because of the meditation and martial arts and yeah. stuff that we've done, yoga and all. You that, have some, you know, some context and some preconceptions that match what's being asked yeah like you know we're just a couple of guys that have spent a lot of time hiking the internal trails Mm -hmm. so we're kind of familiar with what a trail looks like and you know maybe there's a rock i didn't see there but i knew there's a trail in there somewhere in that direction occur and life has its highs sky still meets ocean and ocean meets sky and this was an insight that came along the idea of what else is happening right now while this thing is happening to me and in our lives we 
always have a circumstance, a situation, you know, uh, a drama, you know, successes and failures and all these kinds of things that every human knows about. Mm -hmm. And we can get so fixated on what's going on that another useful strategy to pull us out of that and to see with bigger eyes and hear with bigger ears is to ask ourselves, what else in nature is happening right now that is just happening anyway, regardless of my situation, hmm. right? And, hmm. and this is something that I've thought about many times in my life. Maybe I'm camping, maybe I'm at the beach, you know, maybe I'm at some special place. I'm at Disneyland on Space Mountain, you know. And then a week or a month or a year later, I'll have some situation and I'll remember a place, a time, waves at the beach, a roller coaster. And I go, that's happening there right now. Huh. While I'm here happening with this situation. Huh. And that, that I've always found for me can give me a lot of flexibility in what I'm feeling and thinking and believing and how I'm responding to situations. I'm in a meeting. This is intense. And the grass is still growing towards the sun out in my front yeah. lawn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, uh, somebody might be feeling like my spouse and I are arguing and we might be getting a divorce and those hummingbirds are still looking for nectar. And they don't care about this situation. Life is still happening. Life is still doing its thing. Um, and we're part of that too. There's always been something magical about that for me, is to remember what else is happening elsewhere. You have a very good skill of being able to find perspective when you need it. You've always had that. Hmm. You've shared a lot of your insights along the way. Um, and I've always thought that it's, it's so relatable, hmm. you know, what you're, what you're saying, you know, life goes on, even if it may feel for a moment, like my life's not going on, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's over for me. This sucks. <laughs> this is it. Uh, but then you shift your perspective and realize, no, um, there are perennial things that are just going to kind of keep going, mm. um, and, uh, they'll come and go, but th there's a bigger pattern in it that's longer. Yeah. than my life, and it reminds you of um, patterns within the patterns, larger patterns, you know, yeah. let's say, maybe not patterns, let's just say the word cycle. Cycle, you know, okay. Smaller cycles, bigger cycles, even bigger yeah. cycles than that. And in, when you have that perspective, it seems easier to um, put one foot in front of the other at times when you're feeling blocked. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's for sure. Um, Here's, here's one that, that I, uh, I use once in a while. Um, we have a, a dear friend who's got a, a cabin mm -hmm. uh, up in the mountains. And uh, many of us have been to this cabin many times and had some wonderful adventures and, and uh, meditative weekends and things like that there. There are a cluster of pine trees there out in the yard <clears throat> that I have uh, visited many, many, many times. Mm. And sometimes I'll be in the throes of life and I'll just remember, gosh, those pine trees are standing there right now. <laughs> They're there right now doing their thing. Yeah. Wow. And I'm here doing my thing. There, there's, there's some looseness that happens in your body and your brain and your emotions when we do those things. So the next one is 
about identity and how too often we sort of unknowingly or accidentally accept that we're allowing certain things to define who we are. Okay. And that's the piece that went like this. What defines me day to day? My job, mistakes, my work, my grave. Might it be that I don't know such definitions aren't the goal. And so in in that piece right there, we could say, you know, uh, am I allowing myself to be defined by a limitation? Am I allowing myself to be defined by a situation or a person or um, my lack of an ability to be effective here or my fear that I'll fail there? Everybody has these experiences. Mm-hmm. But it's so easy to accidentally allow that to define who we think we are in that moment. You know, if I don't pull this off at work, it's going to mean these things. You know, um, if he or she doesn't love me back, then it's going to mean this about me, you know, and this is what it's going to mean about my future, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and, and, and if, if this thing were to happen this way, or if this other thing doesn't work out, then that's the end of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to die penniless and <laughs> having not made an impact in the world. I mean, you know, this is, this is, uh, quite often what humans are defining themselves by. And we can also define ourselves by other things. And I just like to throw out this idea that it is perfectly acceptable and completely well within our grasp to be able to reach for something else to define who we are or what we're doing or what we can do. So it goes like this. You just say, wow, am I letting this thing or person or situation define me? Okay. Well, that's one option. What might be a better thing that could define me right now? We can play this game all the time, right? Mm, Um, it's, It's a fun game to play is what else is defining me? What could define me? Um, I'm not defined by this person who's angry with me. I'm defined by the sky that's above me. I'm defined by the earth I'm standing on. You know what I mean? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it could be very, very broad, or it could be, I'm not defined by the anger this person has for me. I'm defined by the fact that my child loves me. You know, it could be more specific. It's controlling the narrative. Yes. Yeah. It could be, it could be expansive. It could be limiting. Like you were talking about earlier with language, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very broad concepts or something specific like a pencil, you know, (laughs) I could be defined by a pencil. Yeah. Anybody could, and there might be a time and place to be defined by a pencil. Especially (laughs) when they're drawing a picture of you. Yes. Perfect. There you go. They're defining the lines. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is controlling the narrative because... You know, what is a narrative, uh, if not the context and the word choices that you use to describe what is going on for you and, and what, what meaning is. Mm. So the meaning of everything that's going on in your perception. Mm. Okay. If you have an association and a meaning for that, that's, that's part of the narrative. Yeah. Um, if you have a narrative that precedes an experience because you are thinking about what is about to happen the way you frame that will absolutely prime the brain 
the mind to have a tendency to move in that direction that, that matches that description. Yeah. It's just a natural tendency, which is why advertising works so well. Okay. Yeah. You can prime people and, you know, get, get a person's brain to start electrically and chemically moving in a particular way, or let's say activating in a particular way in certain areas of the brain. And then when you later expose that person to something that would relate to that, they're going to choose, uh, most of the time they're going to choose the thing that, that's, that they've been primed already for. Yeah. So you're talking about, in a sense, priming the mind in different ways, taking control over that narrative because our life experience is dependent on that merit that narrative. If it doesn't, mm. you know, James Tripp has been doing a lot of talking about narratives okay. over the last year or two. You know, I've um, had discussions with him and, and uh, listened to some of his um, recordings and various things um, and done a lot of thinking about it myself and realizing how important that really is. Yeah. If what you're saying is, is put into practice, then we don't need to surrender our sovereignty over to bad training, you know, the bad training of others. You know, you can't help how you were raised. You cannot help uh, what you were exposed to up to this point. Those are just factors. They're not who you are. They don't define you, Mm -hmm. but they could if you let them, if you participate in that definition Mm -hmm. by not looking at it, so in other words, uh, you know, how could you possibly avoid the dangers that you're not aware of? Yeah. You can't. It's this awareness. Yeah. You're, you're bringing it to our awareness, though, now. You're mm-hmm. saying, this is possible. You can, yeah. you can look at this different ways. You can define yourself different ways if you yeah. want to. This is, this is where I have a... Um, you know, and, and, and I got I to gotta qualify this before I say what I'm going to say. <laughs> um, you and I have had a little bit of a conversation about this. I, I have tremendous respect for people that um, have had various substance abuse problems mm. who uh, do something about it and they, they made a decision to change their life. And uh, maybe for some people that's something like Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or some other right. type of, you know, system. Sure. And, and, and all of those systems, um, can be tremendously transformative to people. Uh, a lot of those systems, not all of them, use what's known as the recovery model. And me personally, I, I want to see the recovery model evolve. I think it's time for that to evolve. I think, I think that there's plenty of opportunity for growth for, 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 for that to keep going. And, and it really comes down to this idea of letting something define you unconsciously. Mm. And when people do something wonderful for themselves and they get off of maybe an addiction of some sort, and then they say, I've been clean for three years, five years, six months, two days. We know that clean implies something else. Clean implies dirty. There's the flip side of it, Mm -hmm. right? A while back, I had a conversation with somebody I know who I love tremendously, a wonderful human being. And we decided that we're going to try to start a new trend. Yeah. And and the new trend is when somebody says, uh, hey, you know, I'm I'm clean. I've been off that stuff for this many years, right? We say, oh, awesome. So you're you're reconnected. 
Yeah. You know, so to say, hey, I've been connected for three years now. I've been connected for 10 years now, rather than clean. Because now we're being defined by clean versus dirty. Right. You know, and, and to be disconnected, nobody, everybody, when you're disconnected, you want to connect. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a natural um, magnetism there. And so, uh, you know, I'm just using this as an example sure. of this idea of casting the light of awareness on the things that we're defining ourselves as. I don't want to, I don't want to see a person who I love define themselves by a substance they're no longer taking. They are so much more than that. Yeah. So, so, so much more than a former alcoholic, you know, a former heroin addict or whatever somebody's vice, a sex addict, a gambling addict, whatever somebody's, you know, um, addiction might've been, they are so much more than that thing that they once did. If they don't identify with being so much more, it seems harder for them to really make that change. Yeah, it's so limiting. It's because they are yeah. limited, and and so what, you know, if if someone only got this out of this episode, this would be really, really useful. Mm-hmm. What you're saying, this alone is so incredibly important that it's probably going to be a lifelong practice of paying attention to the ways in which we're identifying with I am statements. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And it's sneaky, you know, even the simple term, I am angry, I am sad, Mm -hmm. I am happy. Well, are you, are you experiencing feelings? Yeah. It's a different thing. It's a different kind of a statement than to say, I am. Yeah. It's different. It's like if I'm experiencing getting rained on, I don't necessarily have to believe that I am rain. And it's the same way with our emotions. You know what I mean? I'm angry. Well... That's just the weather pattern. free ourselves of bonds and ropes to find your way through fear and smoke. There is a wonderful antidote. The secret I speak of is in this last verse, just fall in love with the universe. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, where that's coming from is one one of the insights that came in was just like in, in all of this madness and everything that's going on in the world right now. And, has in the past and will again, you know, just fall in love with the big picture. That's the way it came. It Mm. it came as, you know, there's a lot of value in just falling in love with the big picture. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, uh, to me, it just, you know, what, what, what's a bigger picture than the universe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that's where that came from. Uh, but to fall in love with the big picture, um, helps all the small things find their place and uh, 
not bother us as much, yet also have deep, tremendous meaning. Every pixel on the high-definition flat-screen TV matters. <laughs> yeah. Even though if one of those pixels went out, we wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't change the show we're watching. Mm-hmm. Right? But every one of them has, a, has a, a purpose. When we're looking at the big picture, we see the value in every pixel. Mm-hmm. When, when you're looking at a beautiful masterpiece painting, you know, um, one atom of purple paint might not make a difference if it wasn't there, you know, or maybe it does make a difference. But when you see the big picture, you see how every little bit of paint and every shade and swirl created a shadow under a nose, you know, of uh-huh. Mona Lisa or whatever it might be. And so, um, as humans, we are kind of like a little blob of paint on, on, on a bigger picture. And uh, it's okay for the paint to step back and appreciate what it is, to look around and go, wow, I'm the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also gray paint, but I'm the Mona Lisa. So, well, Carlos, those, those were the... Uh, the insights that came out of the technique you shared with me the other day. I, I love that because you, you reflected on something, you, but you didn't censor what came in. You allowed it to come in. You, you quieted yourself. You let the, the things come in. And then you, you didn't censor it. You just put it down, trusted mm-hmm. it. And yeah. then you let yourself sit again and go back through it and see if there's anything that needed uh, adjusting, enhancing. And then you did it again. Yeah. And yeah. made it poetic. And that's and, really cool. And and there were a couple of times when I got stuck and realized my mind was trying to do too much of it. Yeah. I just set it all down. You know, just trying to be came more back than a pixel. Later and thought, oh, oh, that's what that should be. You know, <laughs> and then you come back and Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's like the pixel was trying to tell tell the whole story. Yeah. Pixel can't tell the whole story. Pixel's gotta tell its piece of the story. <laughs> Let the story tell the story. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Altine. I record, edit, and produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. And the interstitial music this time was a tune I wrote called Black Gum. Don't forget to subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. And you can find our website at AuthenticityShow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day. Mm-hmm.